As Tristram Cact and Sylvia Collins walked home from school, the driver of a yellow sports car, brighter than the soft autumn sunshine, braked sharply and slowed up beside them. A smiling man looked out. Thick grey hair tumbled onto his forehead, and dark glasses hid most of his face. He looked handsome and rich. Hey! he cried cheerfully. You kids know your way around, don't you? Am I on the right road to the children's home? He and his car seemed like creatures from an upmarket galaxy, light years beyond Gideon Bay. Straight ahead, said Triss, pointing up the road. He stared yearningly at the car, thinking it was the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen. It was a lotus of some kind, an old one, but lovingly polished and looked after. There's a sign behind you, said Sylvia. The man turned slowly apparently noticing for the first time the yellow AA sign pointing ahead. Featherstone Hoare Children's Home, it said. The man read the name and laughed to himself. It's hard to believe it's pronounced Fanshawe, isn't it? he remarked. That's what everyone says, Sylvia replied. But the car was already moving on, leaving Triss behind, still walking with Sylvia. They watched the car round the corner before Sylvia started talking to Triss again. Using her bossiest voice, she repeated what she'd been saying when they were interrupted. I'll walk home with you, she repeated. I haven't ever seen inside your house. Whoa, back, said a deep, gritty voice inside Triss's head, bouncing back and forth somewhere between his eyes. She's spying. "Uh, You can't, Triss said quickly, "Uh, because of my dad working at home. Uh, We'd have to whisper and tiptoe. Whisper and tiptoe, boomed Sylvia. Triss could see the thought of a tiptoeing, whispering after-school life horrified her. Do you go round whispering and tiptoeing all afternoon? There's never anything to eat, prompted the gritty voice in Triss's head. Yes, I do, and there's never anything to eat, Triss said. We never have any cake. Sylvia looked suspicious but uncertain. Though they were both eleven years old, She was taller and tougher than Triss. She spoke as if everyone around her were slightly deaf. Whenever he walked home with Sylvia and Sylvia's gate came in sight, Triss would cross the road, pretending he had seen something interesting on the other side. Once Sylvia had seized him and tried to kiss him goodbye, just for practice, she said. Triss suspected she had chosen to practice on him because he was small and she thought she could get a good grip on him. Triss had fought back, not wanting to be practiced on by Sylvia. Hold still, hold still, she'd bellowed at him. I only want to see what it's like. It'll be all over in a minute. She had landed a kiss next to his ear and another on his eyebrow, knocking his glasses crooked before he had managed to get away. It's not so great, Sylvia had said, shrugging and pulling a face. Then she strode away through the gum trees to her house on the hill, leaving Triss alone and shaken on the side of the road. Although she hadn't tried kissing him again, In the last day or two, she'd become curious to see where he lived and determined to make him invite her home. Does that Mrs. Emmanuel whisper and tiptoe when she visits your father? Sylvia asked as slyly as anyone with a booming voice could ask anything. It's different for grown-ups, Triss answered. Everyone says she's out to get your father, Sylvia cried, as if they had several paddocks between them and not just a narrow road. My dad says he hasn't got a chance. It was Triss's turn to shrug his shoulders and turn away, but Sylvia hadn't finished with him yet.
Don't you get lonely living out there with no cake and tiptoeing and whispering all afternoon? She called after him. I'm used to it, Chris called back. He was never lonely these days. Even before they got to Sylvia's gate, Tris would know Celsi Firebone was with him, moving as silently as only a trained outer space alien-detecting secret agent can move. Sometimes Celsi Firebone seemed to be walking beside Tris, but mostly he walked with him, through him. The feet scuffling in the shingle on the side of the road wore Tris's sneakers or sandals, but they belonged to Celsi too. Mentioning cake brought on pangs of after-school hunger in Sylvia, and she suddenly lost interest in Triss's foodless, whispering, tiptoeing house. OK, see you tomorrow, she said. And off she went between the Australian gums planted on either side of the private road up Collins Hill. Right, said the deep, gritty voice, aloud now, slipping out between Triss's lips, though it was not his voice. The game of danger was starting again. Triss and Celsi were secret interplanetary agents, passing from galaxy to galaxy, through hidden time warps, tunnels in the seventh dimension, moving under real life like ghosts, and keeping the world safe for civilization.